So have you ever heard of something called V60 before? No. Aeropress? No. What about French press? No. I've heard of bench press. <laughs> Jim Rat. <laughs> what we do here is go back, 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 back. Recording here on Thursday, the 15th of April, uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, if that means anything to you. And uh, yeah, we're back for another week. It's it's felt like it's been a while since we recorded. I don't really know why. I don't feel like the last week has been particularly busy. But Matt, bro, it feels like quite a while since I talked to you and I don't really know why that is. How are you? Yeah, I've got, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it, yeah, it's... Uh, it's. I know what you mean. Uh, it, some weeks can feel like we've literally just done an episode and then other weeks uh it's felt like a lifetime and yeah I, it's true i mean we we both live our own lives in separate cities so it's one of those things it's one of yeah, those things we see we got we got other people other friends and stuff going on yeah, exactly things, you know we got some stuff but before we dive into anything too specific of of how we are and what we've been up to we got to do brolet 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 you know it's a dark <laughs> cold thursday um obviously daylight savings or lack thereof is starting to take full effect so it's not quite the summery afternoons but in some ways the the darkness closing in has yeah. made me just inclined to uh, uh I know have mean. a sip of the nectar and and yeah <laughs> we've we got to get on with it and crack those cans open so we're yes, back yes. for week four of brulette uh if you're not up to the chase uh you'll probably have to go back and listen to one of the last three episodes to to listen to all the juicy details um but all you need to know for now is that it's week four We've yet to have success. I don't know how confident I'm feeling. I feel like week to week, mm, sometimes same. the confidence goes up, sometimes it's down. This week, I'm like, there's no way. Definitely not this week. It may never oh, happen. Okay. But maybe that's okay. sort of maybe that's the sort of pessimism we need for. For I don't know how you feel about manifesting. Um, oh, but, yeah, but, we can manifest anything when we put our will to it. Yeah. Um, well, should we dive dive straight into it? Yeah, definitely. Alrighty. After the count of three, let us know uh, what, what actually, <laughs> I have got my beer in front of me. I've just realized, and I'm not going to give anything away, but I have to, um, have to have a little dive of what, you know what? I, okay. I figured out what I have to read out and I'll explain to you later on my confusion. But okay. after the count of three, let's describe what kind of beer it is that we have. Yes. Three, two, one. Hazy Table sour. beer. What the heck is that? It's a great question. I've been staring at this beer for the last 10 minutes and it hasn't registered to me that table beer is what it is referred to. That's the type of, like your, your IPA and APA, it's called a table it's beer. It's called a table beer, yeah. I've never heard of that before. I mean, neither had I till till I I grabbed it. Um, what's your brewery? brewery? We failed, by the way. Ba-bow. We did, Sound didn't effect. work. Ba-bow. Not in. Um, what's your brewery? Uh, Urbanaut. Urban or, and did you say a, a hazy sour? It's a, it's a hazy sour. That sounds delicious. I know. I, I am quite inclined to a sour. Um, and the fact that I saw that it was a hazy sour, I was I was very intrigued. Uh, alcoholic content is only a 5.5. Uh, 1.9 standards. It is another 440 mil can. Um, but yeah, it's called, it's called Tropical Punch. 
Tropical Punch. Urban yeah. Urban uh, Hazy Sour. So let me explain. I've got this thing called a table beer. It's by Garage Project. Mm. The, the name of it is Four Legs Good. And they said, what's a table beer brewed to be lighter in alcohol? So basically it's a light alcohol session beer. I just don't know why they've decided to describe it as a table beer rather than say it's a session pale ale or a session IPA. So nowhere else on it it says that it's one of those. No, doesn't doesn't say anything. Random. It just calls itself table beer. But um, without further ado, let's crack them open. Yes. Oh, a little bit of foam on my end. Mine had a bit more fizz than usual. Um, I should also say, you saying just five point five percent. Um, mine's two point five and less than one standard. So and it's three hundred and thirty mil. So oh gosh, you know, readjust your expectations. Of yeah, 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 what, yeah, yeah. What light is? You know, you know me. I like my. I'm a big high percentage beers. <laughs> First thing. Mm. Mm. First thought, sir? Oh, yeah, that's great. That's really nice. It's uh, like... Mm. Sorry, let me just palette my... Uh, God, that's that sound is going to be maddening bit, to people. It's a bit a- asmr isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it? It's like it's sour, but um, it's, it's not... It's not where you, I don't know, oh, I guess you do expect it when you have your sours, but the hazy aspect of it is really um, like a juice. It's like having a, a sour fruit juice in a way, which is, which may sound off-putting, but I must say, I think I'm going to enjoy this over the this episode. You know what's really interesting mm. is that I think what I'm drinking right now probably tastes quite similar to what you are. Oh. It's quite sour and sort of it has that that sort of juice quality yeah that sort yeah, of yeah yeah that fruitness but very uh, i mean it says on the can um a beer that's dry crisp and ever so slightly tart this is very tart in like a wow i don't know like an adult apple juice kind of taste but if you said to me yeah. hazy sour and you gave me this can I, I would absolutely believe that that's what i was drinking no what what that's exactly what mine says it's uh this beer is a toast to hot days and late sunsets uh, with sweet notes of tropical fruit punch, followed by a juicy citrus tartness for maximum freshness. Well, that's almost a match. That's from, almost from the Helen. same beer. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, the the record books will show it as a fail, but it, it feels feels pretty close. And like you mm. said, I'm I'm crushing my way through this. I've yeah, got at least I seven, this. nay, maybe eight or nine sips thus oh, far. I agree. I haven't been able to stop. Should also say, uh, mm. Garage Project on the can, accredited living wage provider, and zero carbon, which are both things that I Love applaud. It. Love uh, it. Zero carbon companies, uh, living wage uh, for employees, two things that I applaud. So good on you, Garage Project. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil the the final review later on, but I'm sure that this is going to be a, a very highly ranked uh, beer indeed. Yeah, I agree. And for those that don't know Urbanaut, uh, another Auckland brewery uh, in Kingsland. Uh, I have uh, driven, or oh, not driven, but been on the bus past them many a times when I was working at uh, at St. Luke's, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's see how these go down. Indeed. Um, back to the question. I sort of rudely cut you off. Uh, how are you in a more more depth kind of sense? How was your week? Any interesting stories? Any sort of chaotic life events to report to myself and and the people? <laughs> not not chaotic. Uh, I think the only thing that was slightly chaotic is that I went to work on Tuesday. Oh, I, uh, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. So my official kind of uh, 
you know, layover, not layover, but passover from full-time to casual. Ooh, please excuse me. Ooh, the sour is going straight to my, uh, needing to burp. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm now a casual, and so I worked my first shift on Tuesday at High Street, and i got to say, it's like flexing on old muscle, eh? It was weird that it had been a month since I'd last worked, but getting back in there, I was like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, like, I, I just find it fascinating in, in stores like High Street and Lambton Key, where I've worked previously, how easy it is for someone to just come in. A guy went up to the suits, and I was like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, yeah, just looking, just looking. I was like, it suits? He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, well, you're in the right place. He's like, yeah, I think I might get two or three. I was like, okay. And it's the easiest way to just then help the guy throughout the whole process. And he ended up buying two suits and two pairs of trousers for each suit. And it was about a $1,500 sale. Just like that, you know, and some stores, it's not that easy. You've really got to work for it. But this guy was just so casual. Yeah. Need suits for work. Bang. So yeah, it's, it's very rewarding when stuff like that happens um because obviously we have targets and our own individual targets and things um but yeah i must say it was it was nice being back but i also like that there isn't a lot of pressure on me at the moment of being like oh i have to do this every day but i have picked up a few shifts over this week and then next week as well yeah it's a bit like if you uh are ringing for a sunday football team for a you know, <laughs> you're a friend of a friend yeah you, you you turn up and you're like oh obviously i'll start on the bench you know you sub on in 20 minutes and then you just put one in the top right corner and everyone's like Ooh, <laughs> this asshole's turned up and isn't even on the team and it's just outshining everyone <laughs> no yeah it was so cool um and then yeah last night i also uh hung out with an old friend an old friend i knew in wellington um adeline and that was really nice that was really cool as well went to a theater show which i will talk about at the end of the episode um so yeah this week's been uh kind of cruising along really nicely meeting people and meeting new friends and not meeting seeing new friends again seeing old friends you know what i mean uh so yeah it's been good it has been good but how about you how, how have you been yeah it's been a good week bro uh, a couple of days off work which was nice um, I'd say one of the most interesting things since we last recorded was the uh, the Newtown Fair was on Sunday, which for people outside of Wellington is kind of one of the bigger Wellington traditions. I think it's been going on for 15 years or so. Um, your classic sort of shut down street stalls and street food vendors and that kind of stuff. But I'm not a huge Newtown Festival mm, public mm. spaces filled with people kind of person and, and last year actually within the first week of me coming back on my holiday last year before yeah the, uh, the big C the, the big. Um, <laughs> I turned up to the Newtown Fair on a Sunday it was really hot 11 o'clock in the morning loud music lots of people and I went nope I'm going home <laughs> I'm out <laughs> and so this year I thought well maybe I'll go at, sort of in the evening because it's a it's advertisers going on till 10 o'clock. Mm. I thought, well, if I go in the evening, the kids will have gone. There'll be slightly less people. Maybe it'll be a bit of vibe. And so I ended up going at around 5.30 and it was, it was, we left it a little bit too late. The stalls were shutting down. Cars were kind of driving off, um, you know, the with stalls on the back of them and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't exactly empty streets. There were lots of cars driving on the closed roads i was like well this kind of defeats the first purpose of pedestrian <laughs> safety um and yeah within the first 15 minutes it was kind of like well we've sort of missed the boat but in the end we found a, a coffee shop called black coffee 
on that main drag of uh mm-hmm. you know Newtown Newtown yeah and they just had these two DJs that were playing this awesome set and just I'm not a massive house instrumental EDM you know your some your sort of festival tunes I'm not massively into that genre in the sense that I don't have a history of loving that kind of music but these guys were just playing a great set and so i was there with fran we went in we got a drink each we ended up staying for an hour and just listened to this dj set these two mid-30s guys were just playing awesome instrumental music and and then when they finished we were like cool we did the newtown festival the vibes were great (laughs) and we went home um what was interesting about i don't know if it was that particular spot or that particular time but it's one of the few times in the last i don't know couple of years where we've crossed into that threshold of starting to feel old particularly going out to bars and town and you know we're we're more aware of people that are younger than us it's been one of the few times that i was looking around and going wow i feel really young here because (laughs) it was all people older than us yeah 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 late 20s early 30s 40s 50s and i gotta say man some of these sort of middle-aged people that were there they were on a lot of drugs. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I'm not going to dive into my personal history with drugs. Not much of a history. Let me give that spoiler away. I'm, I'm not really that way inclined. So I don't know that much. But what I do know is the pupils doth give a lot away. And there were a lot of 40-year-old men and women who were enjoying Gr- having, grinding left, their teeth. L- having left the kids at home. They were at this coffee shop. They're having a blast at the Newtown Fair. And I was like, on the one hand, cool. You're having a great time. This is maybe one few times a year. It's on a Sunday. It's only six o'clock. You can get home in time for pick the kids up from the babysitters. But it was just very, very bizarre. Um, so Newtown Fair was a strange but fun experience. Um, nice. And then the the other thing of the week was just continuing our Oscars uh, movie prep run. Yes, yes Watched of another two of the nominees mm-hmm. for the Best Picture. Uh Judas and the Black Messiah and The Trial of the Chicago 7. And the first of those two movies, Judas and the Black Messiah, I went and saw by myself on a Monday at 3.30 in the afternoon, which was such a strange, not a strange experience, but end of the run, I saw that Lighthouse Cuber had it on. I finished work at three, so I was like, cool, I can make this. And yeah, just went and saw a, a film by myself, which was okay. I'm sure there are some people out there that are like, I love seeing movies by myself, blah, 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 like my own alone time. I didn't love it, but also I left the cinema afterwards and was like, yeah, cool. This was, other than not having someone to talk to about the film straight away, it mm. was the same experience. So Monday matinees, maybe a new maybe. thing. Um, <laughs> i got to say it has been an interesting experience you and I trying to get through so many films in such yeah. a small amount of time yeah. is a sort of stamina that that is involved like really having to keep keep going and grind another one out and you want to appreciate and reflect on it but no you've yeah, got to get exactly. on to the next, to get to the the next, next one, one. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah, it's a sort yeah. of it's an athlete sport this uh, Oscars prep oh I agree I agree and uh, yeah I think you know if you are an avid movie watcher and, and you want to get through all of like, all of them it is it's a hard time even critics and themselves and what they do um, but yeah I know that feeling of going to the movie alone last movie I went to alone was uh, years ago Ready Player One Mm-hmm. um steven spielberg um and yeah that was great i mean i love that the what that whole movie and you know the book is obviously about so i went and saw that by myself and i really appreciated that 
by myself. Um, but yeah, I was the same. I went to two movies. I uh, I did them in one day. I went with my mum actually. Me and mum went and did a movie watch together. So two o'clock in the afternoon, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, and then we went and had dinner together at a lovely restaurant called White Wong's in Newmarket. Beautiful food, uh, really beautiful. It's kind of same Asian fusion kind of thing as Chow down mm-hmm. in Wellington. Um, but yeah, White Wong's up here. Really, really great. Um, and then went and saw the father after we had had dinner. Um, so split it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, still still a, you know, mentally getting through two kind of, I would say, heavy movies um, was a lot when I got home. It was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we did that. <laughs> but it was it was good nonetheless. But we will, we will talk about those movies more at a later date. Um, but yes, we are grinding through them. Yeah, I think our hope at this stage is actually to do the Oscars episode next week, if we can get through all eight, uh, because that will be the week of the Oscars, and it will end up being uh, uh, a preview episode. Matt's putting his head in his hands as he realises how many more he has to get through in the next <laughs> seven days. That's plan A. If that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean we've failed. It means we have made a tactical decision to do it the week after and mm-hmm. do it as a review show. But yeah, having having gone through so many of the the films already i know man and i are both bursting at the seams to talk about all the films but yeah. it just has to, has wait. to wait it is not the week and this week <laughs> the focus on something entirely different but before we get to that as <laughs> is one of our topic weeks uh we have to we have to do the the dirty deed that is do the fun <laughs> going down the buzzfeed laneway Oy. of life uh last week again I, I no it wasn't last week last time we did this you asked me questions and i don't remember what they were about i'll be uh, honest it was trying to figure out your uh disney uh genre oh that's right yeah that's right. yeah yeah and we were both Ooh, retro retro wave. retro wave yeah 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 retro retro wave retro what is retrograde Oh, don't ask me questions. I don't, I don't know. The know. Answer that was to. three weeks ago. That was so three <laughs> weeks ago. Um, this week, I have something completely different for you. Ooh. I must admit, I went through the BuzzFeed uh, quizzes and they had, sort of have subsections on stuff. I tested out a couple that ultimately I didn't go with. Um, one of them was design a boyfriend and we'll guess if you're single. And I thought, well, hmm. you know, we could design you a boyfriend and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. see how that reflects on, you know, will the quiz sort of work in that way for you? Ultimately went, mm, no, maybe not. <laughs> Another one I tested out was uh, uh, you're on The Bachelor and you're trying to get engaged. Will you win the show? I thought, whoa, super topical. Ooh, you know, super topical. Change of heart on The Bachelor. But I just thought the answers were kind of... I felt like you and I would answer the quiz the exact same way because half of the answers were like kick up a massive fuss. I just knew you would. You would. There were lots. Of yeah, well, that you we're, wouldn't yeah, we're not consider. dickheads, so. <laughs> well, yeah. So instead, <laughs> I clicked on the subcategory of quizzes that is geography, and I went, Ooh, this will, yes, this would be a, a bit different." Okay. And I've ultimately settled on this. There are 196 countries in the world, according to BuzzFeed. I don't know if that's true. It's probably not. <laughs> There are 196 countries in the world, but which one should you live in? I thought, let's explore this as a man who is still in New Zealand after dreaming of the wide world and Europe in particular. Mm. (laughs) Let's see what BuzzFeed reckons about where you should ultimately end up living. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. Alrighty. Quite a short quiz this week, but lots of answers per question. So I'll give you the amount of time you need to to make an informed decision. Nice. Question one. Pick a dessert. There's, again, quite a lot, so 
I will mm-hmm. read mm-hmm. them out again. Lava cake, creme brulee, bread pudding, Japanese cheesecake, tiramisu, pavlova, something called a brigadero, B-R-I-G-A-D-E-I-R-O, which kind of looks like a, a chocolate crackle cupcake, almost like a Ferrero Rocher. Oh, okay. Sticky toffee pudding, moon cake, apple pie, flan, or chocolate fountain. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Let me read them out to you again. Lava cake, creme brulee, bread pudding, Japanese cheesecake, tiramisu, pavlova, brigadero, sticky toffee pudding, moon cake, apple pie, flan, or chocolate fountain. Ooh, okay. One definitely jumped out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a question in the yes. sense of, is a, is, a, is a Japanese cheesecake just like a, it's a cheesecake, right? Yeah, it looks, a particular... like a cheese, it looks like a cheesecake to me. Like yeah. I've never had a Japanese cheesecake. No, it looks I, like it would be a cheesecake. Just going on that, f- that fact, I'll, I'll take the cheesecake. All right. I, lo- I love me a cheesecake so much. I mean, who knows where Japanese cheesecake is going to imply where you should live. I mean, anyone's <laughs> guess. But we'll move on to question two. Um, pick an animal. Koala, wolf, sloth, red panda, spider monkey, badger, humpback whale, lynx, elephant, bearded vulture, grizzly bear, hedgehog. Ooh. I'll give you the first six again, and maybe you can pick your top from that, and then the I've, next I've, six. I, I've got, can... I've got my top two already. Okay, koala, wolf, sloth, red panda, spider monkey, badger, humpback whale, lynx, elephant, bearded vulture, grizzly bear, hedgehog. Ooh. Okay. Top three. Top three is uh, red panda, grizzly bear, and wolf. Um, so my top three. Uh, I. I love red pandas. Uh, I'm going to go with wolf. Wolf. Nice. Love it. Uh, Third question. Pick a condiment. Ketchup, soy sauce, mango chutney, Dijon mustard, pesto, mayonnaise, cocktail sauce, honey, relish, maple syrup, Vegemite, tzatziki. Fruitcake. Is not an option. No, it's not uh, an option. <laughs> the first six condiments, ketchup, soy sauce, mango chutney, Dijon mustard, pesto, mayo. Second six, cocktail sauce, honey, relish, maple syrup, Vegemite, tzatziki. There's a blend of sweet and savory. So, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, it's difficult questions. Oh, it is. One that jumped, uh, one jumped out straight away, soy sauce. Love me soy sauce. Put it in so many different things, especially with honey, garlic. Yeah, you got yeah. It's anyway soy sauce. Um, soy sauce is your answer, or is that just uh, no? I, no, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, uh, mango chutney as well, uh, and relish. I just love me a good relish or a good chutney of some sort, and I love mango. Uh, but now nah, I'm gonna go soy sauce. Soy sauce. Yeah. I rate that, bro. I yeah. really rate that. Thank you. Thank you. I love soy sauce, man. Uh, question four mm-hmm. pick a celebrity oh Dwayne God. The Rock Johnson Dolly Parton Lana Condor Harry Styles Michael B. Jordan Lizzo Melissa McCarthy Paul Rudd Tracy Ellis Ross Lin-Manuel Miranda Elizabeth Olsen Dan Levy oh, also no. one thing I'm going to say is what I like about these it's not like who would you like to be who would you like to date it's just pick a celebrity pick one for whatever reason 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Dolly Parton, Lana Condor, Harry Styles, Michael B. Jordan, Lizzo. And then your second six are Melissa McCarthy, Paul Rudd, Tracy Ellis Ross, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Elizabeth Olsen, Dan Levy. Okay, I am jumping between Dwayne, uh, Harry Styles, Paul Rudd, and Elizabeth Olsen. My four. I've got to pick one. Oh, I mean, there's no, it's not, it's not necessarily a favourite, Matt. Just pick one. Uh, I'm gonna go Harry Styles. Oh, nice. Not what I expected at all. If I was to have power ranked those. Yeah, I love me a bit of Harry. Good for you. Um. And finally, pick a fruit. Tangerine, banana, apple, pomegranate, avocado, blueberries, mango, fig, strawberry, pear, lychee, pineapple. Mango. Boom. Straight in. Didn't I know even it. have to th- nah, think about it. I know it. it. I love mango. I mean, you did the condiments. You did. There, I was almost say. there. Yeah, I was hoping. <laughs> All right. So let's just go back over your answers uh, before I do the big reveal. Dessert was Japanese cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Animal was a wolf. Condiment was soy sauce. Celebrity Harry Styles. Fruit mango. And uh, want to guess what your what your country where Buzzfeed what, thinks you should you should based live? on those things. I don't know Canada, Japan. Oh, wow, Japanese cheesecake really just gave that away. Didn't it? No, but you soy sauce and mango, bro. Three oh, of true. your five good, questions. Actually, that's a very good point. That's and a I, th- very I good think point. wolf is quite prominent within uh, Japanese culture, or at least within. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and probably regret it, but sort of Asian artwork, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the full answer is, your new country of residence is Japan. No matter where you wander, you'll always find delicious food and an incredible history. Japan is at the very cutting edge of every trend, just like you. I'd say that's potentially oh, true. Okay, yeah. It's also home to some pretty innovative game shows. So be prepared to spend a lot of time at home in front of the TV. Now, I think you could <laughs> almost commit to doing that. Oh, I agree. Uh, no, I, uh, Japan's definitely always been on the list um i mean i want to you know europe has been a big one for a long time um but japan i would say i mean i've been to bali um but you know completely opposite side of the ocean um to japan so yeah i i've always i've always had a love for japan and and yeah just the culture and and lifestyle and things like that the cities as well even even out in the middle of nowhere um so yeah no i'll ta- i'll take that i i quite i i agree i agree japan is Japan somewhere that you have seriously considered going to travel to at any point during your life? Because I'll be honest, it's not somewhere that appealed to me for a long time. But mm. recently, as I've become more interested in Japanese cuisine specifically, mm. and I mm. think developed more of an understanding of what I like about travel, which is pretty things. And I think Japan has yeah, a lot of yeah, beautiful... Yeah space like i would be going to japan not for the bustling neon bright lit cities i would be going to get on the train and experience the uh you know beautiful trees and waterfalls and that kind of thing is japan somewhere that because i think some people have a massive fascination with japan to some people it's not really of interest to them at all 
yeah i i don't think it's necessarily like oh i mean it's hard you kind of you know you might go to a place and be like yeah i want to settle down here but in my mind japan is definitely a place i'd like to spend not necessarily a long amount of time but a short amount of time yeah um you know whether that be two or three weeks or something like that not necessarily i'm not talking about like a two three day layover i'd like to at least experience quite a bit but i don't necessarily see myself living there if, yeah, mm. that would probably be the big difference. Well, I mean, you don't get that much choice. BuzzFeed decides these things for you. So uh, so I'm living in Japan. So start looking for houses. Um, okay, uh, cool. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. sleep on the floor. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, you'll be fine. You'll, or in you'll those little okay. pods, the pods. Oh, scary, bro. Absolutely nah, no from me. Nah, I love it. I got nothing. I am not claustrophobic at all. I am all goods and being cuddled up in this little, little d- d- cubicle. So you'll be fine in Japan. Buzz yeah, we'll be fine. what it's talking yeah, about. Yeah, good. Thank you, BuzzFeed. Yeah. Um, what about yours? What was yours? Yeah, so my answers were uh, creme brulee. Nice. Hedgehog. Oh, cute. What a Relish. Uh, yeah, they are a pest, but, you know, so cute. <laughs> so uh, cute. You're a pest and I love you as well. Yeah, So, you true. know, we don't discriminate. <laughs> uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And what was my final one? Pineapple. So Ooh, I don't know nice. how they ended up with France there. I guess creme brulee. France. I guess maybe maybe relish had some. I'd love to know the 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 data analytical sets. You know, if they showed you you started here and you you moved here, it could be all randomised for who we yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think France is probably a decent answer for me. I think if I had three years ago, if you said to me where would you live in Europe, uh I was going to say other than the UK, but UK ain't there anymore. Um, I probably would have said Spain, but having actually visited Spain for the first time while I was in uh, the UK, I kind of was a bit disillusioned by it. Uh, so I think I think France is probably a decent a decent yeah, guess. Nice. I think I can get nice. involved in. I mean, for those that, that don't know, my my sister has been living in Lyon mm. in France for the last five years so there's certainly some precedent for my family to live there um about as far away from japan as you can get i think france to japan is probably roughly the same distance to the uk and new zealand so uh once again we will be separated by many Uh, many thousands of kilometers but we'll find a way to cope we'll find a way we'll find a way we'll, we'll find a way through yeah definitely um yeah, thank you, BuzzFeed, for once again unlocking aspects of our souls and personalities that we uh, that we didn't know about. <laughs> but we'll press on. We'll, we'll press, press on. on. We'll press on. This week, uh, to reiterate, is another topic week uh, where we take a deep dive on a, a specific uh, issue or a subject or a, a passion and something that I pitched to Matt, which was not an episode that we've had lined up on the, the great magical bros and brews uh google, google doc. doc the google doc um but came to me recently uh as i've been thinking about some projects that i that i want to work on is another how-to episode um from from my perspective on things um and that's exactly what we're going to do today so we've done how to accents we did how to gaming we did how to cooking and this week is the fourth installment of our sort of how-to sub-series. And the focus for the week is coffee. Yeah, coffee. 
Yeah, yeah, one of one of these one of these ones where it's going to be quite interesting this topic and going forward. James will be uh, will be giving us our how to on the subject the the most of the way through um, because for me and coffee we have no relationship at all. Uh, I do not drink coffee. I have tried many a times, but just have not been able to get into it and all of that. I really don't know how it works. I've watched people all around me in my life absolutely drink it. I lived in Wellington for seven years and. I never got into it. Um, so, well, yeah, we thought it would be really interesting today for James to kind of just explain and explore the the basics and also the hard how-tos when it comes to coffee. And for me, really, to just kind of sit back, take it in, maybe ask some questions of him and things that kind of I've been pondering over uh, coming into this. And, um, yeah, see if, uh, see if, well, I mean... If he can convince me to start drinking, then, you know, coffee at least, then you've done something right. Um, but that'll be a hard task. That'll be a hard task. But yeah, we basically just wanted to explore the, the behind the scenes of, of coffee. Yeah, I guess the justification for this, uh, I mean, most obviously is uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've been, been back operating a coffee machine in uh, this barbershop in Wellington called Fresh Barbershop. Um, which recently uh, bought a new site, uh, refurbed it. The owners wanted to put a coffee machine in and kind of zhuzh things up a bit. And so I've been working there uh, sort of three and a half days a week over the last few months, um, maybe a month and a half. Time flies when you're on the machine. <laughs> but it's reintroduced me to this part of my life. And before this job, I hadn't made coffee for 18 months which can both be a long time and not a long time when it comes to a skill. Like you could, it's the generic thing to say, but you could not ride a bike for 18 months and you'd be completely fine, you know, picking it up. True. You could not, you know, pass a rugby ball for 18 months. You'd be completely fine picking it up. There'd True. be some stuff where 18 months is a really, really long time. Um, I don't know, say, you know, if you know how to do a Rubik's Cube, 18 months, you forget the algorithms and you do actually have to refigure that stuff out um but i started making coffee in 2016 when i'd come back from exchange and got a job at the lab at vic uni um which is a fantastic place made some lifelong friends there who i'm still incredibly close with today uh and i wasn't hired i was just hired as generic front of house and one of the nice things about the environment there was the kind of the, the people that knew how to make coffee were very for showing new people the ropes and helping them upskill, which is often not the case. A lot of the times you'll be hired somewhere and there'll be front of house people and barista people and you never get to learn the skill. So I'm incredibly, incredibly appreciative of those people um, who, you know, started me on that barista journey because it is a really helpful life skill. Um, much like retail, uh, coffee within hospitality is something that is looked down on. It's seen as a crap job. It's seen as something that uh, creatives just do on the side. Um, but for some people, that is their craft and that is their passion. And although coffee isn't something that I want to pursue any further than what I'm doing currently, it is uh it is a skill set that i'm really passionate about providing a quality product of in the same way that when you return to barkers after a month you can't help but be invested in what to do a good job true and so coming back to wellington and being reintegrated into 
what is a very specific coffee culture, both in this city and within New Zealand, in comparison to the UK, which is very, very different. It's kind of reopened my eyes to coffee as as a product, as something that so many people engage with every day. It's almost... It's almost like a, it sounds so cheesy, but it is almost like a friend for some people. I mean, some mm. people spend so much of their time with consuming, buying coffee. It is more of a constant for a lot of people, for coffee drinkers, than any other like food group. Yeah. You know, yep. they have more coffees than they have toast. They have more of a strong relationship with coffee. They're more specific with what they like or what they think they like and they spend more money on that than than any other kind of food stuff and i think this is i've rediscovered my fascination with that as a as a cultural concept yeah and why i think it's valuable talking to you about it is you're someone for that just straight over your head not from a lack of education or anything it's just not you Mm. and i think in comparison to something like let's say gaming which i don't want to say is niche but if you were to hazard a guess at what percentage of people from the age of, let's say, 18 to 50 game? Oh, five, 10%? Uh, yeah, I was going to say like, yeah, 15. 15? Yeah, so it's it's not niche, but, uh, you know, something that you would probably expect less than one in five people you meet to do mm. on a regular basis. Yeah, agreed. Whereas, agreed. whereas coffee, I, I my, if I had to roughly guess, I'd say one in three people over the age of 18. Oh, for sure. I, I, I will. It's very rare for me to meet another non-coffee drinker. Yeah, very. I get offered. I, I get offered a coffee all the time. Do you want to go for a coffee? Or, um, I actually when I went around to Eddie's place yesterday, would well, do you want a coffee? And it's like, no, I don't drink coffee. So it's one of those things that I just always have to pass up and like, you know, I get my hot chocolates instead, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, you're 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 so right. I think there is. I think that's one thing I was going to say to you in the sense of, you know, it, it is obviously you know hospitality and stuff, but it's that um, customer service, exactly the same as retail. And the reason we love it so much and we want to do a good job is because it is consumed every day like you know every day by multiple people and if you give that consumer a great product then they're going to come back to you you know so for you in the barbershop it might not necessarily be people getting haircuts all the time but people might be walking around the street and if they get a good coffee from you they might do the same thing the next morning and the next morning and the next morning and the next morning and they find their spot because you're giving them great service and a great cup of coffee so it goes both ways so i can understand why people may kind of see it as getting you know stuck down in their job but also the people that absolutely love it because you know they're meeting new people and giving them a product that they're actually really happy with that's how i feel at least with my customer service at barker's same same kind of thing but i would say coffee would be consumed way more probably one of the most consumed things in the world there's such a ritualistic almost addictive yeah yeah cultural phenomenon that I, I think is almost incomparable to anything else that it's just part of people's lives constantly mm. and this is part of why I wanted to talk about it and as I've said to you I'm really interested in making a documentary about coffee culture in New Zealand and exploring the kind of imbalance between people's obsession with coffee and the sort of lack of education and understanding of the product where it comes from why it costs how much it costs the process of its creation why some people 
are good at making it and why some people are bad at making it, why sometimes it can taste fantastic and why sometimes it can be the exact same product in theory and taste terrible. I feel like people in probably in the world, I don't think this is a New Zealand thing, haven't spent time educating themselves on something that they're consuming so regularly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we're drinking craft beer now. I think something about craft beer is that the people who are consuming it, for the most part, are trying to become educated about it. They like pilsners, they don't like IPAs. Why is it that they like this? Why is it not? There's a certain part of the success of the craft aspect of that is that people are taking a greater interest. Mm. Coffee's been kind of craft for a long time, particularly in New Zealand. And that sort of matched education and interest hasn't followed it. And I think that is the real root of me wanting to talk about coffee today with you as someone who doesn't drink coffee as part of the launching pad, launching pad of the research for this documentary that I want to do about, mm. you know, the art of making coffee, the process of making it, uh, where all the, the machinery comes from and the beans come from, but also how that interacts with society and this weird ritualistic spot that coffee holds over us. In sort of a similar way to the internet, it's honestly one of the things I think I can compare it to because for people that consume coffee, it's kind of a daily default thing that you do and we're not quite sure why we do it. We just do it now and it takes up a certain amount of time of our day. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's the root of this and I thought you as someone that doesn't drink coffee would be someone who's really interesting to talk to to kind of be like, Am I am I completely mad that no one? I mean, that's the thing about working in hospitality: is people come in with these preconceived notions that are just objectively wrong. People yeah. ha- they think they understand, but they don't. Um, and I guess as educating to yourself and to the wide audience, a great percentage of which I'm sure consumes coffee. I thought it might be interesting for me to dive into some of the specifics and and how coffee functions, sort of. As a product, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I've, I love it. I love it. I, I, I want to I wanna hit you off with one question to kind of please. start us off, right? Because I think for one thing for me, when before I, before I moved uh, after high school and even being up here in Auckland now and, and hearing people and stuff, what is it about Wellington coffee? Like, what is it about Wellington and its coffee scene that literally, or what I've been told multiple times, has some of the best coffee in New Zealand because before I moved down to Wellington I was told oh you're moving to Wellington you'll start drinking coffee like you'll get into coffee it's just one of those things and because it was at that point in my life but since living here in Auckland the amount of times I've heard people like oh I miss a good Wellington coffee it's just not the same up here what is it what is it that they're doing down there or is it about the coffee that just makes it some of the best in New Zealand honestly I think that's a really difficult question but a great question to ask like that could be the overarching question of this documentary right Mm, mm. um maybe because people from new zealand or australia who live in the uk they say the exact same thing oh new zealand like i miss new zealand coffee there's probably an element of the grass is always greener on the other side true sort of fantasizing of just where you used to live Mm. um but i'm sure there is some truth to the nature of the volume of coffee in Wellington. There's a lot of different roasteries, just in the same way as there are a lot of different breweries, right? Yeah. 
lots True. of breweries in Wellington. So yep. there's a lot to choose from. I think because of how Wellington works geographically, um, again, this is all giving me great material for the, okay, good. <laughs> for hey, the go. doc. <laughs> because of the way that Wellington works geographically and how accessible the town is and how walkable it is, and for the most part, it is one suburb. When you think of going out to have dinner or have coffee yep. or go to a bar, True. the level of quality required is so high that if you don't make good coffee, you won't succeed as a business. Mm. Whether mm. you are a cafe or you know a tiny little hole in the wall, the bar is so high. And I think a certain aspect of Wellington's coffee scene and why it's so successful is because anyone that makes bad coffee doesn't last. Um, I think probably there's also an aspect of the pull of the city to the kind of people that are really good baristas, which again, not to stereotype, I'm part of that group, tends to be a certain kind of person that is, I don't want to say laissez-faire, but there's a certain... People treat coffee with a kind of respect in a relaxed way in the same way that like skateboarding is quite big in Wellington. Like there's a, there's a culture of, of the people that make it and everyone respecting each other. And Mm. there's a expectation to be good, but I don't think there's a forced aspect of like competition or people trying to one up each other. I think everyone's just kind of like, look, we make coffee here. Some people come to us, you make coffee there. Some people come to you. Um, but I do think it's a really difficult question that yep. I would love to figure out. And honestly, mm-hmm. as, as part of the driving force behind this is like, how do you institute a culture that is so based around a singular a product? And because some people think that like Lafare is a really big company. Some people think that Lafare is by far and away the best and they will only drink Lafare. Some people will drink any coffee that is served at a cafe. You know, people's expectations are really, really different um so i i I don't know it's a really really good question that i'm i'm driven to figure out like because i can tell you why a coffee is objectively better than another coffee the Mm -hmm. stuff that and i'll get into that what are the elements at play but it's hard to tell you why other than saying across the board the quality is really high yep other than that sort of loose overarching answer it's kind of hard to 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 figure out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Ge- ge- geographically, how town is situated and the respect behind the industry and and what you're getting. Like you said, as a as a provider, you want to make the best quality, and so everyone is striving for that quality. So wherever you go, it's a good it's a good coffee. And like you said, you don't find bad coffee because they're just not succeeding, unfortunately, in the hard kind of rough and tumble industry that is that is coffee because you're right they pop up on every single wall on every single street i guess one starting point to that um to introduce uh, the first technical term of the day is there's such thing as specialty coffee it's referred to as specialty coffee so you can go into any supermarket and buy ground coffee and it if it's made from coffee beans, it is coffee, right? Yeah. It, it, yep. it, is, it is a product. Specialty coffee refers to coffee beans that have passed a certain threshold on kind of an internationally recognized scoring scale. And I mean, there will be places that claim they have specialty coffee that it's almost 
illegal in the sense that they actually don't. It's a term that some places will use to be like, oh, we're good at this, so we're specialty. But actually specialty refers to a certain threshold of excellence judged by the people who are most qualified to, to make that assessment. I'd say most of the coffee in New Zealand is specialty coffee. Mm. It will be sourced from uh, you know, coffee farms around the world and roasted in a certain way that the standard of the product is really, really high. So that's probably one thing that has contributed to um, New Zealand's excellence. Somewhere like the UK, probably not so excellent across the board. Um, the thing about specialty coffee is it's it's an expensive product to buy um and i guess this leads into the discussion of coffee as a business and another driving force of why i'm interested in sort of interrogating this this aspect of culture more is coffee is one of those things that people expect to not have to pay that much money for true and yet the product itself is quite expensive to source fundamentally there are probably less than 15 countries in the world um, that are coffee sourcing countries. Um, as an example, Brazil's a big one. Ethiopia's a big one. Um, Tanzania's a big one. You know, South America and Africa are essentially the two continents that grow them because it's all to do with uh, climate. Guatemala's another big one. It's not like we're growing, growing coffee beans in New Zealand, right? Mm. They are mm. getting sourced from these very specific uh, countries. And if you think of how high the demand for quality is in the world... There's a reason why it's expensive because if you're buying the best stuff, you're having to outbid, you know, they can afford to sell it at a certain price. And so taking over this, um, because I've been managing and operating the coffee side of this barbershop business, I've put a bit more time into assessing the finances of it. And one of the key things that I wanted to say today is I don't think the coffee consumer on average understands how fine the margins are on coffee as an industry. Making a cup of coffee in comparison to what you sell it for is way closer to the selling price than people expect. Mm. Say, I guess a standard price for a flat white is probably four fifty. Mm-hmm. I feel like people think that that costs a dollar fifty or two dollars to make when in actuality it's more like three dollars plus because beans are expensive. Um, you, you as a cafe pay, uh, unless you're somewhere like Lafari that roasts their own beans, you pay the roastery to buy the beans off them and they have had to buy the beans from source, sort of a coffee farm in uh, Ethiopia or Brazil or Papua New Guinea. or And then there's the added cost of you are paying for them to roast those beans. So beans themselves are an expense. And then the other thing is like, Milk is so expensive. We know that dairy is really expensive. And if you simply divide your standard two liter bottle of milk divided by the amount of lattes or whatever that goes into that, you don't get that many out of a single bottle. So it's really easy to do the maths to figure it out. And based on my intense calculations, (laughs) um, there's obviously varying sizes to coffees, but if you're having a milk uh, coffee that has milk in it, the milk that you are paying for costs the cafe anywhere from, and this is normal dairy milk, anywhere from like 90 cents to $1.20 based on the quality of the milk that you're buying. If you spend four fifty on a coffee, take away at least a dollar immediately just on the milk. Beans are a bit more variable, but 
at least if not more of a chunk taken away from that and then anything that you're adding in you know the price of a takeaway cup mm-hmm. um the price of the chocolate powder which you think doesn't cost that much but over time it's an expense not to mention wage costs coffee is really really expensive to make and i think within wellington coffee is and probably new zealand as a whole coffee is kind of just something that gets people in the door in order for them to spend money on something else for the most part food right yeah so it's the opposite of the restaurant business where you get people in the door to buy food food doesn't make the restaurant any money they want you to buy drinks because Mm. the drinks is where they make all the cash because they buy all the stuff wholesale they buy a bottle of wine for twelve dollars and then sell it at twelve dollars a glass you're making so much profit restaurants um you make almost no money on food coffee is kind of the opposite coffee is what gets people into the doors of cafes and they have to be at a certain quality otherwise people won't come if you have crap coffee they won't come doesn't matter how good your food is and then you hope that they spend money on food you know 24 dollars on pancakes that only costs you three dollars to make as an example but so the cost of coffee is really really high and it's you know it's not like i've interacted with a lot of people in new zealand who've been like oh that's so expensive because to be honest the pricing is pretty similar everywhere so if you're buying new zealand coffee you know what it costs but i i don't think people are going around being like wow this is actually pretty good bang for buck i think coffee is something that people see as being quite expensive without having any idea how how much money it costs to make mm. which mm. which fascinates me i mean you buy a an expensive piece of meat say in a restaurant and people think yes this will have cost a lot but they don't view these beans grown in ethiopia flown over roasted here as being something that would cost a lot of money and yeah and i don't know why it is that we don't associate a certain expense on that food in a similar way to people view french cuisine and think it costs a lot of money people view asian cuisines and they think oh it's street food it should be cheap why am i spending money on that there's some sort of association with cost that with coffee is just completely out of whack. And mm. and I don't really understand why. I mean, for you as someone that doesn't spend money on coffee, I imagine you go, that's four fifty every day. If someone buys two, that's $9 every day, 50 bucks a week. How are people spending so much money on this thing like, that you don't need to spend any money on? Mm. I, I mean, is that how you view people spending like the cost of co- money on coffee? Yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think I think that's just it. I think one of the questions I had down for you, I mean, obviously caffeine, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is caffeine in coffee and caffeine in itself is addictive, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, and, and, and what it does to your body and, and that kind of, you know, the kick, the, the whole caffeine to the body thing. Um, but is that is that the only thing you reckon that makes it, that is makes coffee addictive? Like why are people spending four dollars fifty five dollars on multiple cups of coffee a day so i think it's ritualistic in the same way that Mm. going and having a drink on a friday is ritualistic in the same way that people that are tea drinkers after dinner they'll have a cup of tea and that'll be something they have to do to finish the day it's ingrained into you yeah there's a certain element of once people start doing stuff they just don't stop it's just Mm -hmm. part of what they do unless you stop and question it Yes, caffeine is definitely a driving factor. The pe- people's belief that coffee and the caffeine in it wake them up or, or give them more energy. And there is some truth to that because coffee does have caffeine in it. But 
it's an inexact science. Like caffeine affects people completely differently. True. Like you could be, I know a guy that, that comes past the cafe that says he drinks five coffees a day. Because that's what he's Ugh. taught his body to need. Yeah, Some people yeah, can yeah. have one and be bouncing off off the walls. But yes, absolutely, for a lot of people, in the same way that people seek out uh, other forms of recreational drugs to make them feel a certain way, some mm. people just buy coffee as an energy hit. Yep. Uh, I'm not that way at all. Most of the people, like, say my parents, for example, I think they are much more in the ritualistic it's a warming beverage that they enjoy the taste of mm. far more than I want to have heightened energy. But yeah, there are absolutely some people that are like, I have to have a coffee. Otherwise my brain doesn't work or I'm tired or yeah. Yeah. And that's not a misconception because coffee does have caffeine in it. But I think a lot of that is placebo. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's exactly the word that I had in my head while you were saying it was, is that placebo? Cause the amount of times I've through my, my years of working in retail have people been like, oh, I need my coffee. Like, I haven't had my coffee yet. And then they'll go get a coffee and then they'll be sweet going forward. And obviously, as you said, the caffeine is doing something. But it is. It's that placebo effect of, like, getting this thing in my body is going to be the thing I need for the day. And then, yeah, I, I find it really interesting, as you were saying, one a person could have one coffee and be bouncing off the walls and then someone needs, like, five or six coffees a day. And it kind of just it just blows my mind. I mean, and, and a similar thing to me, like, for me and my caffeine hits, I have a small sugar-free V with, mm. if I'm working. So that's me kind of going to the dairy or I'll, I'll have some in my fridge and I'll be like, sweet, that's my caffeine hit for the day. But then I've now kind of taught my body to be like, that's all you need. You don't need any more than that. V in itself is a is a one of those drinks. But yeah. I tried to have a small one and sugar free, like thinking about what I'm actually doing. And so yeah, it just kind of amazes me what caffeine and and people's associations with coffee and how much they're having, but it, it how how vital and important it is to some people and their day. I think this is a good segue into the kind of technical uninformed bubble that I want to talk about because caffeine is a real easy topic to hit on that right so one of the classic things that if you are a barista that you'll hear most mornings is someone will be like oh I need a large today I'm really tired or oh I need to get going I need a lot like a large coffee and that is an entirely I don't want to say false concept but it just te- it technically does not make sense the difference between, let's say, a regular flat white and a large flat white is milk volume. Mm. There is no more coffee in there. And if, if, in fact, if anything, you are, you're not consuming less caffeine, but if it takes you longer to drink because there's more liquid, it's taking longer for that caffeine to get into your body. And there's a, a significant proportion of coffee drinkers who don't understand that a large coffee is just more milk. And yet <laughs> they think that that is... You know, they're, they're putting more of that energy into their body. And another sort of side tangent to that is this concept of the word strong. Mm. So caffeine is a natural product in coffee, right? There are caffeine particles or whatever within the beans. The way that you make decaf coffee is you essentially remove those caffeine particles from the coffee, which is a few different ways of doing that. Some of them involve soaking the beans in water and it kind of leaches the caffeine out of it. We don't need to go down that, that path, but coffee is, is naturally has caffeine. When you roast the beans, you the more you roast them, the more caffeine you sort of 
clear off. So there's such, you know, the terminology of a light roast, a medium roast, and a dark roast. It's um, like putting toast in a toaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put yeah, it in yeah. for 30 seconds, a light toast. Put it in for a minute and it's kind of golden brown, medium roast. Burn the shit out of it and it's dark roast. Mm. Can you tell that I don't like dark roast? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that's a flavor basis, right? And that's yep. what roasteries do. They take certain beans. Sometimes they'll mix, you know, they might take 100 Brazil beans and 20 Guatemalan beans and 30 beans from Ethiopia as a ratio and blend those together. And that becomes a blended roast. And it's all about how long are we going to roast them for and how are we going to develop the flavors? But the longer you roast, the darker the flavor gets. Just as a piece of toast would taste more, I don't want to say burnt, but more distinct. Mm-hmm. The longer you roast a bean for, the more caffeine you roast off it. So actually light roast coffee has more of the caffeine still in it than a dark roast coffee, which is against what people think. Yeah, what you would think. Because yeah. people have an association with sort of strength. What people would say, oh, that's a strong coffee and caffeine. But actually, that concept of strong is a number of different things playing out. How dark is the roast? How much espresso are you drinking? How much milk is there in a ratio to that? How much sugar have you put in? Like a coffee tastes less strong when you add sugar because we associate strength with bitterness. Mm. So if you add sugar, it removes bitterness and it tastes less strong. But you haven't changed how much coffee and therefore caffeine is in the drink. So when people say, oh, that's really strong... It's their personal taste buds responding to what they consider as being their default coffee. It's by no means an indication of how much caffeine is in a specific cup. But I think your question about caffeine absolutely hits on that point. That for a lot of people, it's all about how can I become caffeinated? And it's like, the simple answer, if you want to be caffeinated, just drink an espresso. Nick it down (laughs) like like a power shot. It'll get it into your system much faster than anything else. And everyone tries to to complicate things. I mean, coffee is really complicated in itself. There's so many yeah. variables at play. So many. But people think that the caffeine aspect comes from areas that it, it just it doesn't come from at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's really interesting. And I mean, you, hearing you talk about that, uh, the, the the process of that is, as you were saying at the beginning, much like um, craft beer and stuff you know depending on what hops and combinations you're putting at brewing time and and things like that uh, will give you different strengths and different flavors of of beer and it is it's exactly the same same thing with coffee and yeah i, I think over the time i find it it's so interesting uh what people get kind of like what they order you know same thing like it's yeah it's just a flat white like they'll just do a flat white or some people really like their long blacks or espressos and things like that and so i find i find that that side of it really interesting as well um on yeah what you what, what you can get out of it and that so many different so many different combinations and flavors <laughs> bringing up the craft beer aspect just made me think of a, a metaphor imagine how i mean you're not a judgy person but if you went to a bar with someone a brewery mm-hmm. and someone ordered a stout and went oh that's really strong like that's dark and went, oh, it's it's really strong, so it must be really high alcohol percentage. You would look <laughs> at them and you would go, no, no, your understanding of of where yeah. alcohol is involved is misconstrued. It's not mm. to do with taste. Mm. It's inherent in it. You could have a beer as light as a Corona that be 8%, or you could have yeah. a yeah. session stout 
t- taste and what are the elements, the the chemical elements at play, be it caffeine or or alcohol, has nothing to do with taste, and people mm. associate that different. You know that they don't understand that ratio. At least a lot of people don't. Some people do. Um, no, that make, that makes sense. But I gotta say, I will definitely be judging a person if they order a stout. Yeah, I mean, fair <laughs> enough. Shots fired. Um, I thought it would be worthwhile actually describing the uh, process of making espresso and, and what it yes, is that yes. you're consuming when you go into a cafe and get your your box standard coffee. Because we think of coffee, we think of espresso coffee as being the whole of coffee. Which is not the case, and particularly in New Zealand, particularly over the last few years, other brewing methods have uh, sort of blown up. So, have you ever heard of something called V60 before? No. Aeropress? No. What about French press? No. I've heard of bench press. (laughs) Jim (laughs) Rat. That's so funny. Um, What about a plunger coffee? Plunger, definitely. Yeah. So what about the old, what's the other, is it drip? Yeah. Drip coffee. Drip coffee. So all of the ones that I named are all filter processes mm-hmm. whereby, uh, there's some form of catching agent that you sort of leach water through. So if you've ever, you know, seen a plunger coffee, you put the grounds in, you put the water in, you do the plunger and Press. liquid pours out yep. solid stay. Mm-hmm. Those are all equally valid ways of making making coffee i think most for the most part they're more aimed at black coffee drinkers mm-hmm. someone like our good friend hamish drinks v60 because it's it's more of i guess the artisan way of making coffee and specifically if you're drinking black coffee and you want to taste the certain notes you know if you're someone who likes more chocolatey coffee or someone that likes coffee that has black currant notes black coffee drinkers is sort of an evolution of people who frankly are more interested in tasting the coffee flavors themselves um versus say someone who orders a mocha because to be honest you'll taste the milk and the chocolate again it's not a judgment statement but all the methods that aren't espresso are more i guess craft in a sense yep yep, espresso uh was sort of popularized by the Italians. Um, you can kind of, I'm sure, imagine because through pop culture it's being displayed all the time. You know, Italians sitting at sort of outdoor benches and having their short espresso and, you know, old men sitting with each other. Yeah. And they very much did uh, popularize the espresso kind of um, culture. And so espresso itself is a specific brewing method. So it's a way of extracting coffee from coffee grounds that is completely different to everything else so when you think of espresso you probably think as the short black coffee as a drink right yeah yeah which is not wrong but espresso is actually a brewing method so Uh any coffee that you get from say a cafe it's all espresso it's just espresso with added water or espresso with added milk or espresso Mm. with added chocolate. Mm. But the coffee product is exactly the same every time. And that's where I guess the art of being a barista or the science of being barista comes in. And this is a question that I wrote down, which I think would be really interesting to ask people in this coffee doc is, do you view coffee as a science or an art? And I'm obviously an art driven person, but honestly, I think it's more scientific than it is artistic 
because oh, the coffee sure. making process is so recipe based ratio yep. based machine based um yeah i guess i'll just i'll shoot through the espresso process quickly so two key machines you have your grinder which is how you turn whole coffee beans into ground coffee and you have the coffee machine it's itself so the grinder process we buy our beans at the barbershop from a place called rich roastery they provide the beans to us you pour the beans into the coffee hopper and then if you have a relatively expensive grinder which we do and most cafes i'd say in wellington do uh it is it's it's programmed so you will have programmed into the machine essentially how much coffee you want it to grind out for a single coffee mm-hmm. if that makes sense yep. um in the old days or on your coffee machine in a restaurant that doesn't really care it's probably a manual machine where you kind of manually grind and you just sort of it's not a machine doing precise things, but yeah, as coffee has life. evolved, yeah, it's yeah. become more mechanized. So I've been teaching one of the barbers how to make coffee recently. And I've said to him, a lot of my job is just operating the machines. <laughs> so in getting the ground coffee, I mean, have you seen coffee come out of a machine and then people tamp it, which is where they flatten it? Yeah, got to flatten it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. coming out of the machine, there's a few different elements at play. There's the dose, which is how much coffee you're asking it. So I say to you in the machine, I say, I want you to grind coffee for 4.4 seconds. Mm-hmm. If I tell it to grind for 10 seconds, it just keeps going for a longer time before automatically shutting off. So you can push dose up or down based on how long you want the burrs, which are the grindy things to grind the beans for. The other key element is grind which is telling the burrs again the very very expensive tiny machine things grinding the stuff up how coarse or how Mm. fine you want the coffee to be so if you ever make a plunger coffee you need the beans to be really coarse because otherwise when you push the filter down if they're really thin they'll just escape and go into the coffee that you're drinking in espresso you want it to be really 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 fine so that when you tamp it it's so compact as like a puck that it's you don't want any any air pockets you want it to be one thing and so generally speaking espresso grind is so fine that you can almost recompress them back into a solid block mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that so the first step of coffee is playing with your grinder based on normally what the roastery will tell you so our recipe is um you want to grind out anywhere from 18 to 20 grams of coffee from the uh the coffee grinder but sometimes it could be 4.2 seconds and a certain level of coarseness or fineness some days i'll have to change those two variables to meet what i want the recipe to be and that's the kind of technical understanding like an it person understanding their computer or or a a gaming person (laughs) understanding their console there's a relationship like i have a relationship with the grinder at work Uh and some days it will be i know really cute um (laughs) me and my grinder (laughs) um but some days yeah i'll be like why are you playing up and some days it'll Mm. just operate perfectly and you you're like good on you today (laughs) you're being a good boy come on Um, you've got this you've got got this this. give a little rub on the side yeah (laughs) so there's a lot of recipe and science that goes into that very baking based you know if you adjust your flour level you need to adjust your yeast level that kind of thing then you take your your coffee, uh, your tamped coffee puck, you insert it into the machine and machines can be different based on how expensive they are. Um, 
and I guess the expense on the machine is just how consistent it is. You know, does it have water running at the same time? Does it tell you how many seconds are running? You know, a less expensive machine will have no timer on it. A more expensive machine, when you hit the button and it starts, it will start counting so you can track that. But essentially what is happening in espresso is water at a certain temperature, normally around like 93 degrees, so almost boiling, is being forced through that really condensed coffee puck that you have made. And the soluble material, so the material that can be released by water, is what drips into the coffee cup. So it's just water being smashed into those tiny coffee particles, sort of catching the soluble coffee and releasing through the the bottom. And that's, I guess, the same with any coffee method. You're kind of soaking coffee in water one way or another and getting a, a liquid from that. So when you take your coffee puck out and you you look at it, it's way darker and you discard it and it's kind of been leached of anything that's tasty or yeah. has caffeine in it, right? That's where the smashing comes from. You always yeah. hear, right? Yeah, like yeah. Trying to smash yeah. the puck yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so there's more technical aspects to the the coffee machine aspect. So our recipe, we want uh, 30 to 36 grams of coffee yield, which means when you put your cup on the scales and set it to zero, the amount of coffee we want to drip out is that rough 30 to 36 grams. Not only that, we want it to come out in 30 to 35 seconds. So the ratio of how long it takes that stuff to come out into the cup are constantly two things that you're you're judging. It, I mean, your reaction says it all, right? People just kind of oh, press the machine and the coffee will come yeah, out. That's, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's, no. it's so, <laughs> so technical. And mm. I mean, I'm running somewhere that's low volume. So every single coffee shot that I'm looking at, I'm weighing and I'm adjusting and I'm moving things around. Because if you just hit the button and you let it run for a minute, you would end up with like 300 mils of espresso, which would just taste that's like right. n- nothing. <laughs> it's all about extracting the right amount of coffee, espresso coffee, mm. from the amount of beans that you've used. And so all of that stuff is super, super technical. Yeah. Huh. And the whole move going into a coffee shop at the start of the day and turning the machine on is adjusting all of that stuff so that what you're putting out is the product, the recipe that you want. And that's before you add any water or any milk or any, you know, that's just pure the coffee side of things. And mm. I think people's focus is always on the milk. Oh, is there a beautiful latte art? Is there a heart or a rosetta in it? But actually, the f- the most important, you know, 60, 75% is all that first scientific stuff. And because people don't understand that, because it is really technical, they just sort of, they, they take it for granted. Whereas when yep. you sit down yep. at a cafe and you can see if the coffee is beautifully poured, like the milk is and a, a beautiful love heart oh, a lovely little peacock on we my go, flower yeah we go my coffee. oh that's you know that's a, a well made coffee a lot of the time there is <laughs> a correlation from there but I guess that's I wanted to put some emphasis on the first part of the coffee and then the next thing is just how you like it do yep. you like the espresso extracted over hot boiling water which is a long black and do you want you know six ounces also, that's the weird thing about coffee, man. It's the only thing where I don't use the metric system. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all just ounces. So a long black will be four to six ounces of water with the espresso. An Americano will be slightly more water. Um, a flat white traditionally is your espresso shot with six ounces of steamed milk. Um, 
but I guess the thing about a recipe is it's all like someone, someone can get, come up to me and be like, Oh, can you make this? Can I? I'm like, I can make however you like it. Anything. I can do <laughs> anything. The menu is just the way that people have kind of compartmentalized the main ways of people liking coffee. So I guess the big hitters are a long black is simply hot. Shouldn't be boiling because it's too hot to drink. And by the time you can drink it, it's, you know, the best of the coffee has gone, mm, mm, mm. but it should be just about six ounces, four ounces, which I guess is roughly like maybe a hundred mils, 150 mils of water with the espresso in it. An Americano, if you've ever heard that, is just a higher ratio of water to coffee. So some people might say that tastes weaker, but that is simply the ratio. It's not got less coffee in it. No. It's, it's just more watery. Watered down, yeah. So a flat white, lots of people drink because they like the ratio of the milk to the coffee. Yeah. There is a difference in the coffee texture. Like if you have a flat white versus a cappuccino, a flat white... Has quite thin milk on top, like it's lightly steamed. Whereas a cappuccino is super fluffy, you can kind of coat it with the back of a spoon. So there is different textural differences to milk. Mm. And I won't I won't go into that, but I guess what I'm trying to get at with the coffee menu is it's all about however you like it. There's yeah. the ratio of the coffee to the milk products, there's the texture of the milk. Like you can have a a, a tiny uh, a cappuccino that has barely any froth or you can in theory have a large flat white which is texturally how you want a flat white but you want a higher volume of milk but people all around the world will argue well what is the defining feature does a flat white have to be six ounces like is it all about ratio or is it about like the texture of the milk and actually what is on top is what matters not if it's a bucket sized bowl of a latte or a <laughs> tiny latte that stuff, when I talk about um, you know, people not being educated, part of me, I'm like, you can have coffee however you want. Yeah. And what you choose to call it doesn't really matter so long as you can convey to the person who's making it how you like it. But, you know, someone, I remember I asked someone about how they liked their coffee years ago. And they were like, yeah, I drink, I drink a flat white, but... I really like like really frothy milk, like thick milk. I'm like, you're ordering the wrong thing. This is not actually what you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very rare for someone to ask a barista, hey, so what actually is the difference between this? What is the difference between uh, that and this thing? Someone recently, you know, a regular customer that comes in would normally buy a six ounce flat white and they would come back at the end of the, you know, the afternoon and buy another six ounce flat white. And then one morning she was like, I think I'm just going to get a large flat white with an extra shot. Now, unlike people saying, oh, I need more milk to wake me up. You add an extra shot, you're adding double the coffee, double, double the, coffee. the caffeine. Yeah. And so I said to her, well, actually, this is pretty good bang for buck for you because all you're doing is you're doubling the coffee and doubling the milk. And I'm still yeah. steaming it in the same way you want. So you are essentially buying two coffees in one, in one and you're only paying an extra dollar for it. Because we charge fifty cents for more milk and fifty yeah. cents for an extra shot, so four fifty goes to five fifty. But you have literally doubled. The ratios have stayed the same. The volume has just increased. Wow! So that would be one of my tips to people out there. If you're someone that you know, unless you want a coffee in the morning and a coffee in the afternoon, just if you're a flat white drinker, large flat white with an extra shot, you, you are getting more bang for your buck. You're, I mean, you're saving three dollars fifty. You are, but you have to drink it 
all in one all go, in one right? go. Yeah. rather than yeah. rather than the afternoon yeah um and then i mean we have all the alternate milk stuff which to be honest i'm not sure we have really time to go into um some of them are more environmentally stable than others i mean i could speak for hours about how few almonds go into a uh, almond milk coffee the amount of water that is required to leach sort of anything off an almond to make almond milk that's kind of a big no coconut and soy and oat all have their pros and cons environmentally based on where are you sourcing the product how many planes does it have to fly over how much water does it require how much land does it take to to grow the whole alternate milk debate is kind of still raging there's no real answer there but I guess I bring it up because those are different products and so they steam differently based on the proteins and the sugar contents of the milk. Soy notoriously splits when you steam it because it goes past a certain temperature and all the proteins and materials in the the milk go, whoa, we're not designed to be heated like this. And that's why they uh, they don't steam as well as, say, dairy milk. But all the stuff about menu, it's all based on your preference. The thing that I just don't understand is, you know, you might buy... 300 coffees in a year and you've never thought to actually ask what the difference between a few of them are and you might be getting way more milk than you want or you might be getting less you know you could save money by having an extra shot in your coffee because you actually want caffeine pay the extra 50 cents don't buy another coffee later on if caffeine's what you want add more coffee i can add Mm. more milk um yeah the milk and the different drinks and water and i think people don't ask enough questions if that makes no, sense. No, that makes sense. And I think that's I think that comes back to that discussion discussion at the start in the sense of it's habitual, right? Yeah. It's all ritualistic. It's like just give me my coffee. I don't care what it is, just I need it. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's been a fascinating thing you kind of talk about it is the the real craft behind it and the people that it can actually appreciate it and get behind it and i think that is exactly why it works in wellington because people kind of care a little bit more um about the whole process and everything that goes behind it i think um yeah that's fascinating any questions oh. formed from um yes yes i was gonna again as always happens with these episodes <laughs> the person who's passionate about the thing ends up ends up talking but we've got at least least 10 minutes for any questions that oh you yeah, yeah yeah i am um, i was literally just gonna ask what's your what's your favorite coffee what's your go-to so i used to drink flat whites mm-hmm. then i stopped uh consuming dairy and so for a long time i thought the alternative milks didn't work that well so then i moved into long blacks um yep. Which again, I think black coffee, you really do notice the difference between beans, which is can be helpful once you get to a certain point of interest in the coffee. Um, but now oat milk, I think, has really come on leaps and bounds in terms of how well it steams, how similar it is in flavor to dairy milk. I definitely encourage people out there, if you are a non-dairy consumer and you drink flat whites, just do oat milk. It's just way, way better. Converted mum over the last few weeks. I've converted other people work. Just do oat. Um, and if you are a dairy consumer and you're looking to try something else, really try oat milk because it's super creamy, texturally, very, very similar. So now an oat flat white is kind of my go-to, but sometimes I'll have a long black. It can be, you know, if I go to a coffee shop with a friend and I want to sit there half an hour, I'll have a long black because it will take me longer to drink than a flat white. Um, I also like filter, which Mm -hmm. is a different Mm -hmm. process, but as a black coffee, um, yeah, it, 
it varies, but nowadays mostly oat flat whites or long blacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And yeah, I think it was it was interesting you kind of I mean, because I, I think one thing that we're kind of conscious about and you especially is obviously the environment, right? Yeah. And everything that's going on and stuff. And I guess I fair trade as well. So it's just being, I guess, aware of where and how your things are coming to yeah. fruition or not fruition but to you know uh, in your in your cup in the morning kind of thing yeah fair trade's a really interesting thing to bring up because it's kind of just presumed you look at fair trade and you go oh this must be fine and a lot of the times it is but there's also other criteria and category for sourcing coffee beans that is better than fair trade something called direct trade which is where you buy directly from the oh, farmers yep. mm-hmm. and so you understand what you're paying them for whereas fair trade is is like just a globalized kind of tip, yeah that, makes, that sense. makes sense again yep, to use another sense. food example would be the difference between going oh there's a free range eggs which really just means at some point someone went around and said yep this is free range and ticked it off and you you know they could then change their practices yeah and if they didn't get checked up on they would never know but if you buy your eggs from someone who has chickens that lay them you know for a fact <laughs> the source is going on involved yeah. so yeah i mean coffee comes from countries that are not first word countries and so being responsible for how you source your stuff is super important mm. um and then yeah the big big milk debate like almond milk just shouldn't be a thing because people that drink almond milk generally speaking are environmentally minded and they just don't understand how not eco-friendly it is and how similarly bad for the environment it is on a similar platform to dairy like they just we and the hard thing for cafes is if people want it you kind of sell it but i mean we have some almond milk at work once we get through it because we just bought all sorts of different stuff when we open once we're through it i've made the executive decision we're just not selling it anymore no more i I don't and if you're a customer that says why i only drink almond milk i'm going to go somewhere else i'll say here's the reason why we don't sell it I'm sorry, but I hope you rethink your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rethink your life. Um, yeah. The milk, the environmental milk thing is, is kind of on, ongoing. I mean, I've tried to dive into it recently about, you know, there's a coconut milk brand and coconuts can be fine because coconut trees just grow and the coconut falls off. And it's like, well, we might as well use these products. Whereas say soybeans, you have to plant into the ground and then you harvest them. You know, everyone's been scared off soy because of the Amazon being deforested to cause soy products, which is absolutely a thing that's happening. But most of the brands of soy milk that we get in New Zealand come from Australian sustainably grown soybeans or organic Mm. oats from Sweden. So it's not like all the industry is owned by one, you know, big oat titan that is actually controlling everything. It's mostly about where you source your stuff from. And it is possible for an industry, you know, a product to be destroying one part of the world, but where you get the exact same product from is completely ethical and organic and carbon neutral. And it's like, they're the exact same thing, but where we're getting it from is ticking all the boxes. And again, that's just all information and and misinformation about how much you actually know and how many questions you actually Mm. ask, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's just, it comes down to how kind of just, I guess, robotic are we getting in our lives of just kind of consuming these things that we do every day and not really thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I mean, yeah. the coffee industry is bringing, I'd imagine, millions, 
billions of dollars to to countries where it's their biggest export yeah i say that without having done specific researches on countries but i mean perhaps not a country like brazil but somewhere like guatemala somewhere like ethiopia the coffee industry is, must be a huge part of the exports and and it is entirely possible for a product to be great for a country fine in terms of bringing money in and people still have still having poor working conditions and you know those two things can exist at the same time mm. i guess more my point is where coffee beans come from are countries that that is con- contributing significantly to the economics of those countries you still want to try and be aware of working conditions and that's why things like fair trade and direct trade exist but for the most part we're not buying coffee beans from America. We're not buying coffee beans from North Korea. They're coming from from countries that can use, can very much use the the money that's that's coming in in for it. So I think the coffee industry, generally speaking, is a pretty good ethical, economically, environmentally friendly industry with certain outliers. Almond milk being one, people who source crap coffee from crap sources um but for the most part it, it's it ticks a lot of a lot of boxes i guess um wow wow well yeah. i don't i don't know about you listening or not but i have uh, i have definitely learned a lot uh through through this discussion on how to coffee uh yeah that's fascinating man fascinating look i must say i don't know if it's inspired me to go out there and go grab a coffee uh but it's definitely made me think more about Okay, how could I give this a go in a way that I'm going to enjoy it in a yeah. good way? I mean, when you come down to Wellington next, all <laughs> I would be doing to you, doing to you, yeah, doing hey, for you. You can do anything to me, mate. <laughs> all I'd be doing for you is I'd be making you a mocha with a lot of chocolate powder, so a mm-hmm. higher ratio of chocolate to coffee ratio. I yep. might even just do a single shot for you, so half the coffee and a milk of choice and i would be simply trying to just have enough coffee in there that you go oh this is you know we talked about dark chocolate in the past this is slightly just a bit more bitter than a hot chocolate just a bit more bitter like a dark chocolate compared to say cabri milk chocolate or whatever and then over time should you frequent my my small coffee (laughs) beanery i would convert you to a single shot to the normal standard double shot or if you were having an extra sugar, we'd go from two down to one and one down to zero. The thing is, I've seen it so many times. It's Our flavor taste buds develop. Like one of yeah. the barbers, shout out Aussie. Uh, don't know if you're listening, but if you are, see you at work soon. Um, tomorrow, <laughs> as I'm recording this, he's gone from having a mocha with two sugars to all of a sudden I shaved the sugar off. Then I just put two marshmallows in and took the sugar out altogether. And the other day he just, I gave him an espresso because he was like, I, I need, I need something. I was like, just drink this. That This is the purest form of getting the caffeine from the coffee into your body. And he can, he can drink it. it Amazing. It's just, it, it, you're not, I don't want to say you're not special, Matthew. Because <laughs> you are special, especially Thanks. to me. You. you just, <laughs> you just need a helping hand. Um, <laughs> Yeah, everyone's the same. As we grow yeah. up, as kids, we like sweet, we don't like bitter. The transformation into coffee is just an appreciation for bitter as a as a flavor profile. And I genuinely believe that you are no different than anyone else that consumes coffee now. You just have to be introduced to it with baby steps and you slowly yep. shave away the accompaniment. Mm-hmm. And that's how you end up 
drinking long blacks in three years time yo yeah maybe i might just convert to just because I, I as you said before and we've talked about this before i love dark chocolate yeah i do so i think it's yeah it's just trying to get across to the uh to the coffee foundation of it all um yeah. but no nonetheless nonetheless this was very very interesting and i look very forward to hearing more conversations and how you strive forward with uh this project that you want to do man honestly i think it's the thing that i love about this show and the fact that i can really just sit here and listen is is listening to someone that's passionate about something it might not be the foremost front thing in your life but the fact is is that you know enough that what's behind it and it's really just uh, lovely and uh, to just listen to you talk about that and explain it in a good manner so i um i wish you the best of luck with your project going forward man thank you i'll uh i've got one viewer i feel a viewer in the bag <laughs> yeah i think i I'm think in, in. i think there's just enough intersection of these environmental aspects of this industry which i'm passionate about talking about yep. there's aspects of culture within wellington new zealand that i think are always worth exploring why are we mm-hmm. the way we are which is Again, one of the overarching themes of this podcast. Why do we like things? Why do we not like certain things? Why do we talk about things? Why do we not talk about certain things? Mm. And just the access that I have at the moment to the people that run the roastery we get beans from. Our good friend Hamish again, who is, you know, kind of currently front of house manager at Lafare, which is a billion dollar coffee company. You know, having people to be able to interview and talk to and what's your perspective on this? And trying to move into different mediums and, and you know, not just be an actor, but view ourselves as, uh, you know, as we develop our, our abilities on this podcast as, as hosts and interviewers and people that can facilitate discussion and, and be of more service than, you know, just reading lines in someone else's play or, or, or film. So, yeah, it's something that will take a lot of work. I think it's mm. quite a long-term project that will need significant uh research and planning and investment and tech and funding and but i'm it's one of those things that a few weeks ago i just went huh why has no one made this because it's all right here we're obsessed with it particularly Mm. in wellington within new zealand there's a greater kind of coffee coffee system we're just obsessed with it and no one has sat down and made the like netflix chef's table documentary on coffee within wellington specifically there are some great coffee documentaries out there but yeah i'm I'm really excited and and thank you for letting me bring this to the show and i hope people have found it interesting whether you're a a non-coffee drinker or you're a coffee obsessed person that's never thought about it or you're someone that's made coffee in the past and you've gone oh the way that he defined a flat weight was wrong (laughs) it's just a discussion that has been helpful to me to think you know what what yeah what are things that people don't understand that we as people in the industry think people get but actually they don't and people not in the industry go i'd like to know about that but i'm gonna feel stupid asking so i'll just consume the same thing as i always have um so yeah yeah thank you for for the for letting me come on and do the how-to coffee episode because I've definitely got a lot out of it and I'm sure when we when we turn the mics off and we stop recording, we'll have more conversation more about the, 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 <laughs> the dark side of it. But but yeah, thanks for letting True. me bring it to the show and, and to you, the listener, I hope wherever your your relationship with coffee may be, I hope I've I've um, given you some insight on, on the process and maybe, just maybe you've learnt a thing or two. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, we have, we have. Um, now, 
I got one last thing just to kind yeah. of um, chuck it, chuck it yourself and everyone listening. Um, I know we're a bit over time now, but as I said at the start of the show, I went and saw some theatre uh, last night, and it was uh, um, uh, unbelievably uh, confronting and breathtaking at the same time. Uh, the show was called Contractions, uh, and it was a show written by Mark Bartlett. Uh, and it was performed by Beth Alexander and Renee Tamati. And both of these uh, actresses have come out of TAP, which is the actors program up here in Auckland, uh, different years respectively. Um, but they both graduated from this, yeah, uh, TAP is a, a year-long intensive course and everything that is just the acting industry, especially here in Auckland. Um, and yeah, these two got together and did the show. And it was just a show basically just discussing like how far are we willing to go for work and our loved ones and you know the pressure of of keeping a job and and kind of you know going with the system and things it was i think it's very relevant to the kind of time that we're living now in the sense of that pressure to have a job and to keep your job um but also just how far we are willing to go for that as well um and yeah these two actresses are uh, beautiful job uh, amazing performances on stage it was performed at west point uh west point theater which is amazing james it's a it's a black box theater but it's almost in like a old school like like it's like a, a barn but it's like you know the like a, a dome it's like a mm-hmm. half cylindrical dome bar barn but it's all blacked out and you know audience on seating block and then they were on the stage really cool use of space and amazing what you know you can really do with a theatrical space and putting on a show um but yeah uh, uh contractions it's uh, by the time you listen to this i think they're on to their second to last night it's running until saturday night at um, west point theater up here in auckland um and yeah it, it's amazing and i think it's it's lovely to go with friends of mine that are involved in the theatre industry and, and acting and, and all of the above, um, but seeing other people that have gone through a course like TAP and the work that they're doing and, and especially the the shows that are being put on, um, are really top quality. Um, so really just wanted to shout out Contractions uh, and the work that they're doing, the mahi they're doing, um, and yeah, look forward to seeing more seeing what's it's it's really built a fire in me um to just i I need to start writing and 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 doing things which will come and i will talk about more on the podcast in the future um but yeah i just uh value seeing theater so once again if you're if you listen to our show and and you've been having this itch to go out and do something go watch a show go see a movie um because it is there's just something that kind of lights you up after it so um contractions very good Uh, nice bro nice um just before we go final thoughts on your beer it's good man i really like it i re i re i really like this just in the sense of if you're not a sour drinker i feel like uh this is just a really nice way of getting those sour notes um but still enjoying your drink i feel like sometimes i've had a sour in the past and being like okay this is i am drinking a sour beer um but yeah no very good i definitely put it in the eight somewhere i'd probably I still love my hops. I'll probably put it like an 8.3. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I, I, same. I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed this one. And you know what I wrote down at one point uh, during the show was a very similar to a kombucha. I don't know oh, if you've drunk kombucha. I've, I've had a kombucha before. Similar kind of like... Definitely. Sort of slightly fermented taste. I yeah. almost want to go like if you took, you know, 
sparkling grape juice or sparkling apple juice and removed some of the sugar. That's yes. kind of yes. kind of where it is. I have really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to involve the fact that it's a 2%, 2.5% beer in its review. I mean, you can either be low mm. alcohol inclined or not low alcohol inclined, but from a pure taste perspective, yeah, I, I have enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a one last sip. Uh, everyone talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> da, 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 ding, da, da, ding, ding. I'm I'm gonna give it. Oh, it's that classic, above eight, below eight. Dave Portnoy. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. You know what? I'm gonna give it an eight point one. Nice. It's in the nice. eights. I, and the thing is, I would recommend it. I really would. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've cracked. I, you know what? I think your table beer. It must be. Must just be a sour. Yeah, I think must so. Be. I think must so. be because what you're describing is exactly what I'm drinking as well, yeah. which I think in, in, in one part of us grabbing a beer to drink together today, a success. Um, but I must say I did go down to the New World Metro and there were more beer selections and it made it even harder to pick what beer. So uh, nice. It, nice. the, the, the uh, brulette will continue. We are now on to 16. $16. So the yeah. pot, the kitty is getting bigger and bigger continues to grow um thank you for this week thank you for allowing me to speak thank you, no, thank uh, you. to the audience for continuing to support us um and what has been one of the longest episodes we've ever done and yet <laughs> not a single dragging second it's been all quality content captivating himself as uh, a strong portion of the episode no thanks for this week bro um i hope it was an enlightening in some point and good luck to you and watching the rest of the oscars you, movies over you the too. next six and a half days hopefully we can oh, uh, we can get it done if not, yeah you'll you'll know how well done. we've done when uh, the next episode comes out and whether yeah. it is uh, what we said <laughs> yeah you will for sure um Thanks for this week, bro. And to everyone out there listening, uh, continue continue on supporting us however you want to. Uh, flick us a message on the, the socials and whatever. We'd love to hear your feedback and, and let us know what you thought of, of, of How To Coffee. Um, but Matt, all that's left to be said this week, next week, past weeks. So we'll see you next time. Peace! Stuck in the ground